Welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. This week's guest was Ben Newman, who's a uh, mental performance coach for both uh, athletes, entertainers, uh, the corporate world, Mm -hmm. does a little bit of everything. Special, special speaker. And and, and I know one of the things when I was looking at his Instagram page, you start to see some of the faces, the, the Ray Lewis's of the world. The, the University of Alabama mm-hmm. and, and the players that he's spoken to there, just a tremendous person, one, and a great speaker at, at the same time. So the show was unbelievable. Yeah, and we'll, we'll jump right into it here in a minute, but just wanted to warn you guys, we had a couple of technical issues. Uh, anytime you're dealing with technology, sometimes these things creep up. Uh, so the first 30 minutes or so, the sound quality isn't the best. I mean, it's fine, but it's not the greatest. It clears up a little bit after that, but just wanted to explain that from the get-go, uh, that we had a little bit of a pause there to fix some technical issues. So hope you guys enjoy it. Um, don't let the sound quality uh, you know, take away from the message because Ben was awesome, and we can't wait for you guys to hear this message. So hope you enjoy it. To the Darren Woodson Show. Really excited. Yes. Uh, again, another uh, another day in the new studio. Crazy thing is, before we get started with our guests, which we're really excited about, is, is we had a little mishap over the weekend. We had a storm come through Dallas. Yeah. So if any of you are seeing any flaws in our wall, it's Ben's fault. First of all, <laughs> no, but we had, we had some leaks so we kind of had to adjust uh, our studio here just a little bit, but, uh, you know, champions adjust as they say. Some bullshit though. <laughs> We've only been in here a couple weeks. <laughs> Damn. Paid, all all paid our second month's rent yet. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. But, uh, but here, look, we're really excited about today. Three former athletes, uh, that consider ourselves to be motivated individuals. Yeah. Um, but we don't hold a candle to this self-starter. To this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited. So we've got Ben Newman on today. So let me give a quick little background on Ben. Ben is was voted in 2019 as, as a top 10 sports motivator globally. So he impacts people that are in the sports world, athletes, coaches, uh, administrators on the college level, um, and and he is a top 10 globally. Think about all the people that try to motivate athletes. That's right. This is top 10. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm I'm sad, Ben, that we didn't get to work together while I was playing. I might still be playing if uh, we had a chance. <laughs> I was going to say, say, man, you can still put the pants on, so we'll get you going. <laughs> uh, but then also now he does he does public speaking, and he's got he's got a a, a, a speaking company that he's got people. Uh, what is it? A speakers Guild. What? How do you what do you classify? Is it a like a like a like a boutique bureau yeah speakers bureau Bureau. that's the word i was thinking of but he goes around and he was in 2019 voted top 50 motivational speakers globally so working with companies Mm. going and speaking to companies so as we as we wrap up this episode make sure you stick around to it we're going to find out how to get a hold of ben if you if you have a company and you want him to come in and speak because i guarantee by the end of this podcast you're going to want him to come speak to your company and make an impact like he is for the best college football team of all time, yeah, Alabama, yeah. and that's what's Crimson so special. Tide. Because when you look at look, you got you got to go to Ben's page first of all on Instagram, and then see the people who he runs with. You you look and you see a Ray Lewis, and we know how motivating Ray Lewis <laughs> has been throughout his career. Guess who's motivating Ray Lewis? Hey, Ben Newman, mm-hmm. and, and then you look at you know the University of Alabama, and Nick, Nick Saban's not letting you through that door 
Unless you've been hey, qualified. He brother. is no dummy. Period. <laughs> Period. So we want to start Ben. We want to go back, man. Are y'all going to let him talk ever? Or we yeah, just we're going to go. We're, can hey, we you just go? You just stalled us out hey, 10 more seconds. Thanks night. for that, Ben. Uh, you take forever. That was the world's longest <laughs> yeah. introduction. So, Ben, we, we want to go back. We want to tell your story first. And, you know, where you came up, uh, what life was like, uh, what was your childhood like when you came up? Yeah, so I, I'm glad that we're starting there because I think for all of us, everybody listening, we all have a story. Yeah. Every single one of us has a story. And oftentimes, it's the challenge and adversity that's part of the makeup of our story that defines how we show up in life, the decisions that we make, how we get up off that mat of life in those periods of time that we just don't want to do it. And that's the same for me. I, I appreciate the bio, Ben. I, I'm, I'm like hearing you going, man, we got to slow this down. <laughs> I agree. Like, this is the conversation I want. It's like my childhood. It's the mentors. It's the coaches I've had. It's the fact that when I work with an athlete, I'm gaining just as much from that athlete or just as much from the corporation as I'm probably giving them. And sometimes they're giving me more, right? And to me, that's what it's all about. So I've always been a relationship guy. I had to grow up very fast. So I had a lot of mentors in my life call me an old soul. So my parents were divorced when I was six months old, never knew my parents together. Handful of years later, my mother was diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis. Each and every single one of you in your muscles, you have an amyloid. You have an excess of amyloid that eats away at your muscles. Of course, your heart is a muscle that's going to take your life. Mm. Here we sit in 2021, there is still no cure for amyloidosis. So you can imagine back when my mother contracted this disease and then it started to take over her muscles two hospitals in the united states treating this disease and most people have never heard of it. there's no money being raised for amyloidosis and essentially my mom's this single mom fighting to make ends meet traveling back and forth from boston and after she met with dr skinner for the first time she was told she had two to four years to live you got two boys at home you're given two to four years to live my mother's going back and forth getting treatment She's told she's only the second woman under 40 years old they've ever seen or heard of having the disease. And my mother decided to take out an old blue mead notebook. Maybe like you guys used to have in school, maybe yours was another color. And she allowed that notebook to become a place where she unleashed her positive mental attitude onto the world. Beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with the disease that is chronic and fatal. Believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life. And my mother's greatest purpose was that she would continue to lead her two boys regardless of her pain. Mm. And I learned from watching my mother come to the dinner table with an IV stand every single night when her TV room was turned into a hospital room when I was a seven-year-old boy, that your purpose overtakes your pain. And we're going through a lot of challenge in the world these days. I know everybody listening, whether it's COVID, whether it's social injustice that I am sick and tired of, and we need to stand up with some damn voices and take some action so that things can change. Like everything going on, disease that maybe your family's dealing with, stuff that's going on in your businesses. Maybe you have lost a business. Maybe you've lost your job. We got to just put one foot in front of the other. And I learned that from my mother before she passed 11 days before my eighth birthday. And that's what still fuels me today. It's that burn that lies inside of me to keep writing her story. So I gave you guys the, the short version but I'm glad that you asked because I think for me, I've done this enough times to know I'm not the only one that has a story. Right. Tyler, Ben, Darren, you all have a story. We could talk about that fire that lies inside of you. And most of the time it comes from that challenge and adversity from having to get up 
when we didn't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So what is, what does life look like for you after your mother passes? Cause she fought and, and by the way, I want to stop and, and say she was going to lead you regardless of her pain. I love that. I mean, what, what a testament to strength, but what did it look like after that? Yeah. So, um, we had a woman named Carolyn Harris and, uh, Carolyn, she and I are still in contact today. So my mother passed away 11 days before my eighth birthday. And now I'm a 42-year-old man, right? So we're talking, I've known Carolyn almost 35 years. And Carolyn was amazing, just the love that Carolyn gave to my brother and I that we needed. Because, you know, when you got 24-hour nursing care in the house, there's only so much that a mother can give. Right. And my, my father ended up moving back into the house. And he moved back into the house. Carolyn stayed, you know, part of the family to really help us. And uh, my father went on to raise me. Uh, and then I was blessed to have, you know, tremendous coaches and mentors in my life. Some of which, I mean, my two high school basketball coaches, you guys talk all this football, I was a hooper. So I was, I was a basketball player. And uh, my, my two high school basketball coaches are characters in my book. They're still huge influences on my life. They've helped me become the man that I am today. And so I, I've just been blessed to have great people, great coaches, great mentors, a father who taught me how to fight through his own set of challenges. And so I, I think for all of us, you know, life is never easy, but we got to just keep, we got to keep fighting. Hey, tell us, tell us about that. You say you had two mentors, two basketball coaches, and I can't believe you played basketball and didn't think, didn't even bring up the fact that football's that much better than basketball. That's bullshit. <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll say this. What, tell, talk to us about your mentors. I mean, what was it that you saw in them that brought out that confidence in you? So it's interesting, you know, it wasn't what I saw in them. I think what great mentors, they often see what we need. Right. And these, these were two men that knew that, I mean, I could shoot the ball a little bit. I was slow. I couldn't <laughs> jump. They loved that I could shoot. They loved that I had a big heart. So I, I played with good three locker guys room guy. Yeah, good, here we go. Good, <laughs> good, good locker room guy. guy. Plays whatever. Really smart. <laughs> He'll get hey, on the ground. No, no He'll get on the ground he was for you. Proving me, but uh, yeah, I, I was the locker room guy, and uh, you know, certainly the guy who was hitting the weight room after practice, but uh, was never the never the fastest guy. Certainly slow, but could shoot it a little bit. But yeah, they were incredible guys. Yeah. Did we lose you? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. There yeah. you go. There you there go. We go. Okay. We're fine. Yeah. So. You know, those were guys that when I would come into the gym, they, they knew that there was more to me than just being a basketball player. And, and I remember a conversation that I had. So I had this big goal. I wanted to make varsity as a sophomore. And so I did, but then didn't get the playing time that I, of course, as the athlete, thought I deserved. Yep. And probably the biggest bonding moment, Coach Basler, who was our assistant, and I sat uh, in the gym and I was just moaning, bitching, moaning, right? Like, I should be playing. I should. Be. And he just looked at me and he's like, it isn't your time. Mm. And here are the things that you need to do for it to become your time. And that, to me, that's a great mentor. It's a mentor who cuts it to you straight. Right. And I think that's part of the problem with society today. We seek comfort. Darren, just tell me how great I am. Right. Darren, tell me all the good things. I need you to tell me where I need to work. I need you to tell me where I'm lacking. I need you to tell me where, like, this is the unique spot that I can bring to the team. And if there's nothing more I can bring to the team, tell me this is all you need out of it. Mm, yeah. You know what, though? I, this is the one thing I don't have a problem with. I, I, I listen to your story, and it's, it's similar to mine in the fact that 
I was never, as a kid, I was never satisfied if I wasn't the dude. Like, I needed to play. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't there to sit on the bench. If I was going to, you know, try out or play on a team, I wanted to be all the way involved. Do you think it's okay for, for that person or that kid to challenge his coaches to say, hey, look, man, I deserve to be out there and have that conversation? Do you, do you agree with that? Well, I, I do. I, I think it's the context of the right relationship. I will tell you, we had some games. There was one game I, I remember I, I uh, started uh, in high school, and the game gets going. And I'm telling you, we're like three, four minutes in, and Coach Bazler pulls me out. He's now the head coach at the time, and I was starting to play more now. This is my junior year. And he goes, Ben, he goes, your night's over. You can't guard any of these guys. I love you. <laughs> done for the night. <laughs> so there, 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 there were some things for me that I just wasn't going to be able to make up, I guess, no matter how much I gave. But, yes, I do believe. But here's what I would encourage everybody to do, and this is a business lesson, not just a sports lesson. Just because somebody says, we need you in this role, or we – that's not a bad thing, right. right? So then that was my opportunity to say, man, I'm going to coach these guys up on the sideline. If he ends up putting me back in mentally, I'm going to be prepared for that moment. Right. But I'm everything I have to my teammates because this is not about me. This is about the team. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with, let me take you out to Alabama this year. You know, this is my third season working in Alabama. And you were right earlier when you said, Saban doesn't just let anybody into the, into the yeah. building. That's a long story <laughs> in and of itself. The, the interview the interview was four years ago. They approved me, and then I had to wait a whole year wow. before they brought me in the building. To tell. I mean, it's crazy. And it started in, in 2014, the pursuit of having the opportunity to work at Alabama. But at Alabama this year, different than the last two years, it was leadership that made the difference. It was guys who said, this is not about me. We'll get our accolades if we play together as a team. And they took down every damn trophy that there was, including the national championship. Yep. Because these guys believed in teams. So that's what I've always believed. Yeah. There's too many people complaining, well, you're not utilizing me. You're not are you actually taking advantage and giving your all in the spot that you have right now? Yeah, and I think because you said that's one of the things. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think you said it earlier, right? And you said the word prepared. And I think a, a lot of kids these days don't want to take the time and put in the work that it takes to be prepared to go into the role that they need you at. You talked about your sophomore year. Maybe you were not ready to be the leader on the court. You could be the leader from the from the sidelines, but maybe not ready for that. And I think the maturity that comes with, okay, I'm here, this mentor, my, my role model, my coach, whatever position that is, sees something that says, you're just not ready yet, right? It's a different perspective with more experience, you know, more teams that they've, they've, they've been a part of. But now what we're doing is we're setting you up to be successful because now you're prepared and you're ready to go. I mean, think about it in business. You talk about business. It's not a bad thing for you to be in this role because guess what? You're going to be able to do this job in two years that I really need you to do that much better because you, you worked on this side or you had this task or you accomplished this or worked with this group of people because you're prepared. And that's, that's one thing that I, I struggle with because I know in my journey, if I'd gotten drafted right out of college, there's no way I would have lasted in the league. Mm. No way. Right. I maybe, maybe would have gotten to training camp. But the fact that it took me three years to get there, I was now mature and ready to actually contribute in a role right. that was significant enough to keep me in the league for that long. Yeah. Well, I, I, you're absolutely nailing it. And enough with my athletic career. Let's give one that's a little more relevant a story. Think about Mac Jones. Okay. Yeah. Here, here's what's amazing. People are so impatient in life. Give it to me now, right? Yeah. 
two years ago, right? Google the pictures. Matt Jones is the third string quarterback between Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa against Clemson in the national championship game, right? And then the next year, he's Tua's backup. He only played one year. But when he got that one year, when they gave him the keys to his Ford truck and he drove that truck into that stadium every single day, he had poise, he had confidence, he was calm under fire, he had ice at the veins, and he was ready to attack because he owned every single rep leading up to that moment. That's right. And I'm so proud of that young man. He and I have a very special relationship, and I'm so proud of him because he's what it's all about. And that's, once again, that's not a football lesson. That's a business lesson mm-hmm. right. for the individual that I'm not getting mine at my job right now. That's right. Well, maybe you, you're getting exactly what you're supposed to get, yeah. and you better learn because what you're going to learn right there is what's going to give you the opportunity to almost win a high school. And that yeah. speaks so much volume because not only did he deal with that in the past, but then they bring in uh, Bryce, the kid from the superstar five-star California, California kid who's supposed <laughs> to be the up and he, and he challenges for his position. Mm-hmm. Uh, all over again, and he overcame yeah. that. So it speaks volumes to who I do is. want to clarify one thing. Uh, University of Alabama did not give him a Ford truck. That was a metaphor for <laughs> giving him. <laughs> let's just be clear. <laughs> yeah. I do want to know, though, was Mac always like that, or is that something he had to learn? Because you're right, and we've talked about this before, the I want it now mentality, especially amongst young people. When we don't get what we want right now, we're going to transfer. And we're going to go somewhere where we can play. So was Mac always like that, or is that something that he learned? So Mac is a uh, incredible competitor, and obviously you guys can understand my work. I, I will share up to what I can share, and then you guys will have to bring on Mac Jones for him yeah. to share the, Set the it things up. That, he, he, that he wants to take over the line. That'd be easy. I can get that uh, obviously it. set up. But you guys wouldn't have a hard time setting it up either. But uh, <laughs> So for Mac, kid's a great competitor. Dad was a professional tennis player. So you mm. grow up, mom was an athlete. His two older siblings were college athletes, not at the level that he was, but college athletes. So what he always saw in the home was competition. Right. He always saw the fight. He always saw you got to work for it. And so it was ingrained in him that if you put this obstacle in front of me, I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to attack the hell out of it. Mm. And he's a young man who... If you would see some of the times of text message conversations that he and I would have, I promise you, his competition was sleeping when he was getting after it. The competition was sleeping when he was studying the playbook. The competition was sleeping when he was in the weight room. The competition was sleeping when he was throwing balls when there weren't even wide receivers just to get his arm loose. Mm. And that's what it takes. It's the willingness to do the extra that that some people are unwilling to do. That's how you get in the NFL. Yeah, that's, that's how right. you guys compete at the level that you did. Every, here's what drives me crazy. Everybody wants to tell you, this is how bad I want it. Okay, let me have a conversation with your action, and then we'll see how bad mm-hmm. you really want it. Mm, that's exactly and Mac right. Jones is a guy, you go have a conversation with Mac Jones' action, you see why he finished third in the Heisman, you see why he set records all year long, and you see why he helped lead that team to a national championship. Yeah, I love it. My, my college coach used to say, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear the words that you're saying. So, no doubt. Live it. 
I love that. Okay, let's Ben. I know you're deflecting because you, you've you've helped a lot of really really great individuals, <laughs> but I want to go back to your story a little bit. Okay, yep. so so post high school, so you had a basketball career. What was it? What were what did you feel like your passion was? Because one of the things that we talk about is okay, let's let's align passion and purpose, and let's talk about that. Right? It's really easy to talk about having a passion for something. Like we had a passion for football, but yeah. that ends right. But what for you? <laughs> When the athletic career ended, what was that passion that you found to replace it with? Yeah, so I, my passion has always been relationships. Love people, love relationships. That's why I, I'm still so close with my high school basketball coaches. So I always knew I wanted to do something that was relationship-based. And so I, I actually, I wanted to go to University of Missouri. My father said I'd party away my education, so I picked <laughs> Michigan State that he had no idea was a party school. Nothing else to do in Lansing. I go to Michigan State. I decided that my Division three recruiting offers for uh, for basketball is not what I wanted. I was going to go into the stands and watch Michigan State win a national championship. <laughs> so I was up there in the, in the Mateen Cleave days and oh, yeah. enjoyed the heck out of that yeah. college experience. I was a political science pre-law guy, and I actually, I don't know if I've ever told this story in as many interviews as I've done. I was a political science pre-law guy, and my father was an attorney, very successful trial attorney. So I always wanted to go take over his law practice. Mm. I reached a point in college, I said, man, I'm going to go make a life of my own. Nothing that my father had done, it was, it was nothing that, but I just determined, I'm not going to, I want to go write my own story. Mm-hmm. And I love sales, I love people. So I ended up getting into the, the mortgage business. One of my fraternity brothers, my junior year, he was like, he comes home from the fraternity house. Man, I got this guy. It was like boiler room, guys. It was wow. crazy. And so we go in, you got these like phones on tables, and there were girls from the sorority houses, and then you got the fellas in there, and we're just like making all these phone calls. And after 13 weeks, I was promoted to running this. Essentially, it was a, a telemarketing center for this mortgage company. And I was like, man, there's something to this. Like, I like being on the phone. I like the challenge of, you know, getting Darren on the phone. He's having dinner. He doesn't expect it. All of a sudden, we have this conversation. So I fell in love with sales. And so for a couple of years, I'm hiring my girlfriend and her friends. I'm hiring my buddies now. We're bringing them into the fold. (laughs) And so sales sales was it for me. I knew, man, I'm going into sales. I just love people. At that age, you didn't have a problem with failure? Because, you know, if you're cold calling Mm -hmm. folks... You're gonna get some some hangups. Like if you're calling me during dinner, and I'm sorry, Matt. Hey, man, <laughs> if you're calling me during dinner, you're getting hung up on for sure. But how did you deal with the failure at that age? So you know, for me, and I'm going to give you the the real answer because I think this is it for everybody. I know this is going to be a, a tough visual for for everybody listening. And I'm an emotional dude. I cry when I watch Extreme Home Makeover, so I got no problem <laughs> telling football players I'm, I'm an emotional dude. But my perspective was. If somebody tells me no on the telephone for sales, I watch my mother die before my eyes. Mm. I watch my mother come to the dinner table with an IV stand. As a seven-year-old boy, I would climb under my mother's IV wires to tuck her in at night. Mm. So if you want to tell me no, you want to do business with me, I'm cool. I'm going to keep this thing moving. That's right. And so for me, I was always Same able to go back to that perspective. You will not break me. You will not shake me. No is not going to break my ass. I promise you I will keep moving. Oh, man. Amen. I love, I love that. that. Yeah, yeah, you know what's interesting about that is is it's one situation, but two people can can see it totally different. And hopefully, it's not a an experience like what you went through with your mother that shaped your perspective in that way. 
But it's interesting to me that you, the the words that you chose to describe that situation. I love calling people up that weren't expecting it. I loved having the phone hung up on me. You asked Tyler that. Tyler hates that. It's my nightmare. <laughs> so two different people can have two complete, but it's all about how you attack it because you loved it. That translated to success mm. and that translated to you being so dang good at it. Whereas somebody else can look at it and be fearful and so much anxiety. Mm. I don't know. That's just fascinating to me that, yeah. that one well, scenario can, it's the perspective, right? And like, like you said, you could, you can live the same situation, but, but react to it completely different. And, and out of you, you had a perspective of resilience and we keep drop, dropping our taglines here, but, <laughs> but a perspective of resilience and saying, Hey, listen, like if this is the worst that's going to happen to me is you hanging up on me and I got to call one more person to make the sale. Oh, well, I, like you said, I had to climb through IV cords to tuck my mom at seven years, yeah. seven years old, tuck yeah. her in for bed. Yeah. I mean, this is the worst you can do to me. Bring it. That's, this is nothing. And that's what I love. And, mm-hmm. and like Ben said, like we would never, ever wish a life experience, especially to a seven-year-old to go through that. But the impact that your mom is making on your life, you know, post-college. And then as we get into it beyond, I mean, think about all the people that, that your mom has affected directly and indirectly in her life. I mean, the millions of people that you reach is because of that experience Mm -hmm. because of your mom's strength through an extremely difficult situation. Well, you know, that's, that's what drives me. So I call it, the burn, right? So I think a lot of speakers, coaches that do the work that I do, they talk about why, they talk about purpose, but they forget to identify the burn that mm-hmm. lies inside of you. And it's the burn that actually lights the why and purpose on fire that then causes you to take that necessary action. So for me, that burn is my mom. Every day I wake up and I think of my mom, I journal her name every morning on my phone. You know, I don't know if you know, you can actually name your alarm on your phone. So mm-hmm. literally it says Janet Fishman Newman Legacy. on my. So that's what I think mm-hmm. about. Because I know I'm not the only one that has a story. Each and every single one of you has a story. The listeners have a story. And I just want people to more consistently connect to your burn, to write the story and to have the impact you want to have in your life, right? Because I'm sitting here fighting for my mom. So whether it's philanthropy work, so I do a lot of philanthropy work. If I ever donate money, it always goes in my mother's name, never my name, Mm. right? Because I I want to carry on her name. So I I really appreciate hearing you say that because I do believe it's my mother who's touching these people's lives. Mm. I've just been blessed to have the opportunity for God to work through me to be able to share her story. And so every day it's that fight, it's that burn that lies inside of me to connect you all deeper and to everybody listening to what's going to cause them to fight through their challenge and adversity or to fight through their nose that they're going to hear. Mm, I love that. That is awesome. So you go through college, you're in college now, right? And you got your first job at that exciting mortgage company. (laughs) that had to be exciting but you go through that process and then you know give us a a, a, what happens after you transition out of college yes and actually this is another thing many people don't know because you say my my first job that was first job in college my first job i was 13 years old i made three dollars and 25 cents an hour selling hot dogs at the pool snack bar for those of you that have been to St. Louis, you get that St. Louis humidity, 110 with no yeah, air conditioning. You're yeah. trying to sell hot dogs. I was earning that 325 an hour. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was my that was my first job. But so after college, this mortgage company actually offered me a full time job. They were going to make me a leader immediately. They were going to offer me six figures, and I ended up finding out that ethically, at the leadership level, there were some major issues with this organization. I said, I'm out. 
Mm. I said, I, I will not put my name on an organization like this. And, it, and they weren't things we knew making phone calls as college kids. But when you start getting through that interview process of being integrated into that organization, you start to see some yeah. things that said, this isn't for me. So I stayed in sales. I actually uh, followed my college sweetheart to Chicago, and I was a paper broker. So just like out of the office, Steve Carell out of the office, yeah. that was me. I sold news, newsprint, commercial print paper all over the country. And, I mean, you talk about hustling and having to make it happen. Literally, my first day on the job, Floyd Evanston Paper Company, Floyd Kozak comes in. He's got this big red book. I'm going to make the NFL seem easy. So you got this thick red book like this, and he puts it down on the table, and he says, Ben, pick a state. I'm like, pick a state? I'd be like, pick what? He says, pick a state. I said, I don't know, North Carolina. He says, okay. He goes, open the book up to North Carolina. Here's the copy machine over here. Make copies of every page, and there's your call list. And that's how I literally had to start my sales career was calling every printer, every newspaper company. First sale I ever made was to Rebel Good in Elkin, North Carolina. I'll never forget it. But it was the same thing. It was the challenge. And those are things you don't forget, right? It was That's where I cut my teeth professionally. Here's this man who's been buying paper from somebody. Mm. And he and I have this conversation because I was fired up on the telephone. I was energetic. He was going to feel me through that phone. And so I was able to build that relationship sold him that first truckload of paper, and I was like, man, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized was sales or building relationships, it's all what you make it out to be, right? And so many people, they don't give their all where they are. And mm -hmm. so to me, I was like, well, if I'm selling paper, if it's mortgages, like, man, I'm going all in. Like, you tell me what I need to do, mm -hmm. and I will do it. And so I ended up doing that. Then I moved back to St. Louis. I was a financial advisor, and uh, – my work professionally as a speaker and coach, it all started corporately. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we can get to that, but I didn't do anything in the sports world until 2011. The first time I was ever paid to speak was a result of my work as a financial advisor, not to impress anybody, but to impress upon the point. I set some records for my first year for a Fortune 100 company. Mm -hmm. And an office in Chicago, I was a 26-year-old kid. They're like, we will pay you $500 to come and speak and tell us what in the world you're doing. I'm like, 500 bucks. I can Sold. I can come speak. I'll do it I, twice. I can't I'll be there and pay my expenses. And so that was it. That's how my speaking started. And then guys asked me to start coaching them. And the next thing you knew, here, here we are, the overnight story 15 years later of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, speaking, writing, and doing coaching work. Let's put a pin yeah. in the story for a second because I'm sure you all both – because I don't oh, want to yeah. skate over what you said a second ago. And it's, I forget exactly how you phrase it, but the, the point was. I'm losing your sound, Ben. Oh, can you hear us? You hear us now? Can you hear us here? I'm losing sound. Okay. Okay. Just give us one second. Yeah, we'll get, make sure this connection. We'll, we'll edit and clean this up. Hey, wanted to take a quick break from the episode to thank our sponsor, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka is distilled from corn and certified gluten-free. In the mid-90s, Tito Beverage Yep, that's his real name, Tito Beverage, built his very own micro distillery in Austin, Texas, incorporating the boutique winery concept into the spirits industry. He acquired the first legal permit to distill in Texas and put his life savings into it, racking up 19 credit cards to build his own copper pot stills and condensers. He continues to produce award-winning smooth American vodka on the same land where, where it all started over 20 years later. Tito's has won a, the Unanimous Judge's Choice Double Gold Medal at the World Spirits Competition, among other awards. It's got a modest paper label on a simple bottle. 
So all you pay for is the exceptional vodka inside. Visit us at titosvodka.com for recipes, videos, and more for the Tito's story. Crafted to be savored responsibly. All right, so Ben, you you going to follow up on your question? Yeah, we're back. Uh, excuse the technical difficulties there. Uh, always love technology. These, these are always way better with uh, in person for sure. You're good. Uh, so before the uh, the interruption there, I was asking because you said something a second ago, and, and again, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you were talking about being invested, no matter where you are, and no matter how you feel about that situation. And I think that's something we can't just skate right over because I can't, me personally, and so many people I talk to. Well, this job's not right for me. I don't, I don't love what I'm doing right now. I want to be doing something else. So talk to those people, again, putting a pause on your story. Talk to me, talk to those people who are in that situation where they're not exactly where they want to be today and they need to still invest everything they've got into that current mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, see, so you never know the valuable lessons that you will learn where you are, right? There's so much I learned when I was brokering paper that made me great as a financial advisor. There's so much that I learned in being a financial advisor that still helps me in the things that I do today. And what it really comes down to is one of the most significant messages that I share in my work in sports and in business. I always share with people standard over feelings. Don't allow your feelings to dictate how you show up. You have to choose to dominate and understand the standard that's going to cause you to have success. Mm. And so let's take that person who corporately is not where they want to be. You're allowing your feelings to dictate how you show up. That allows a psychology principle called expectancy theory to take over. That which you focus on expands. Focus on negative, you get more negative. Focus on positive, you get more positive. So you wake up, you're pissed off, you're angry, you don't like your job. How are you showing up to work? Mm -hmm. As opposed to you flip the script and you take control of your mind and you say, I may not be exactly where I want to be. I may think to myself, I want something else, but I will own where I am right now. How can I own where I am right now? Oh, I'm going to go talk to Darren because, you know, Darren's been in a leadership role in this job, and I might learn something from Darren today that even though I might not be here, it's going to make me a better man. It's going to make me a better father. It's going to make me a better husband. It's going to make me better at my next job. But I'm going to take advantage of the opportunities that are here, and I'm going to give my all and be my best today. That's operating on the standard. And too many people allow their feelings to dictate how they show up. And it's the same thing with an athlete, right? So an athlete who has a great game on Sunday, right? So all of a sudden, Darren knocks the numbers off somebody's jersey, has a touchdown, has an interception, literally the plays of the game, right? You could break down that game film and Darren could be like, man, what a night. But you know what? You win three Super Bowls. You go to Pro Bowls, right? Going to be a future Hall of Famer. Because on Monday, something tells me, Darren showed up saying, hey, thank you for the congratulations on the things that went well, yeah. but I'm going to get my head inside this tape and see where my opportunity lies. Yeah. And that, that's the difference. Allowing your feelings to dictate how you show up is either, I don't like it, I'm bringing it with me, or man, didn't you see what I did yesterday? I'm bringing it with me. So it's both connotations, but the highest performers, they're never seduced by success. Right. So Darren goes, I had a bad game. I'm going to attack the game film. I had a great game. I'm going to attack the game film because the standard is I will continue to push myself to be my best because that's how we measure success. That's how you win Super Bowls. Mm, yeah. That's how 
That's how you win in life. That's how you become number one in sales. That's how you take your company to the next level because you're not worried about the results that you can't control. You say, I'm not going to let those feelings dictate it. I'm going to dominate that standard every single day. Man, that is yeah. awesome. I, yeah, whatever else gold. you say yeah. today, that three-minute segment yeah. right there was, I mean, that, yeah. that's You know, so but it speaks directly to exactly how I used to feel. Like, I could, I could have a great game, and then the next day I'm looking for – I can only remember the negatives. <laughs> I'm walking in the meeting room thinking, okay, they're going to call me out on this, this, and that. And that's, and that's the mindset of, of, of a lot of players. But I want uh, one thing I want to talk to you about is – the power of the mind. I mean, give us, because I know that's where your focus is, is controlling the <laughs> mind and controlling, you know, your mind controls every part of you. Give us your perception of that and how you go about teaching those how to control their mind. So I, so with uh, football players speaking to me, I'm going I'm to give it to you in football context, but I think anybody listening, you can put this into your context and I'd encourage you to do it, okay? So <clears throat> a particular player, that I worked with this year, okay, going to work in the trenches. I won't even tell you which side of the ball because I don't want us to be able to figure out who I'm talking about. But a particular player was dealing with some injuries. You guys know the rigors of the season. Don't allow your feelings to dictate how you show up. Body starts to wear down. So you have a choice. I'm going to either think about my injuries and think about my pain every time I step onto that field or I'm going to control my mind and I'm going to focus and dominate the next six seconds, six seconds of play in the game of football. So whether it's a rep in practice or it's a rep in the game, I'm worried about this next six seconds. Mm. So in a conversation with this player, I said, man, what's going through your mind, man, I'm thinking about this. I remember when I first had this injury and this is what I felt. This is what I saw. Every time he stepped on the field, he was thinking about the injury. It kept him from actually giving his all every single play. So I said, let's try something in practice today. So I was, I was on site for the, this particular practice. So I'm looking at him. I said, let's try something. I said, every time you step out on the field, I want you to tell yourself, reframe and attack. Reframe, attack. And what I was teaching him was a mental training tool of how to get into an ideal state of focus. So the moment he says, reframe, attack, reframe, attack, what is he not thinking about? The injury. He's not thinking about the injury. He's not thinking about pain. All yeah. he's thinking about is this next play, I'm going to reframe, I'm going to attack the hell out of this next play. He finished the season as strong as you possibly could. My visits the rest of the year, he was a completely different human being. Mm. I mean, it, he was a different person. When I would walk into the room, his eyes would light up because it was that little small change that gave him his confidence again. And people don't realize we have 100% control of our mind. So I actually teach a tool called Your Emotional Trigger. It's a five-step process, Mm -hmm. and it allows people to connect to that ideal state of focus. And then from there, we can get those little tools to where then it's reframe attack or find those key words that hit somebody right. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. This particular player, right, I'm going to speak to him one way, whereas a quarterback I'm going to speak to that quarterback completely different. The words I say to him, poison confidence, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas what I say to a defensive lineman who's getting nasty in the trenches is not not poison confidence. (laughs) I knew it was a defensive lineman. You just gave it up, but I knew it was a defensive lineman. (laughs) Attack. Yeah. So I, I love that. And I want to go back to the point, you know, I don't want to breeze over this mindset 
conversation because it's really important. But I want to go back to the point where, hey, be present. Focus on where you're at right now. Do that. I'm, I'm going to throw something in there, a question that maybe a lot of people ask uh, that are struggling is, well, when is it time to make that transition? When is it time where this is not where I should be and this is not you know, uh, setting me on the path of where I want to go? When you have to make that decision to, to transition? Well, I think you have to have a, a level of awareness to opportunity mm-hmm. and you have to have a level of awareness to relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, I was never one to burn bridges, right? So you never know what next door is going to open up, right? And so for me, I, I was actually in, uh, engaged for 13 hours to that college sweetheart that uh, that I, I mentioned earlier. So you guys can laugh. It's all good. You never <laughs> this, was before, this was before the move back to St. Louis, right? <laughs> so so that's, that's when I moved back to yeah. St. Louis. And, you know, it was one of those things, like, that's the greatest no I've ever heard in my life because you, the, the four of us probably wouldn't be jamming here together if I would have heard a yes there, right? Right. And so that's one of the things that we got to think about. But when I moved back to St. Louis, right, there were different opportunities that I had all based upon relationship. Mm. So I went to different interviews, and all of the interviews were because of relationships I had with people when I was in high school. Huh. Wow. Right. So I was able to tie back. Hey, when I was in high school, oh, I knew her. And when I was in high school, oh, I knew him. I'm going to go talk to his dad. I'm going to go talk to her dad. And that's how I got my job. That first job, I was a paper broker in St. Louis, didn't work out, became a financial advisor working for my best friend's dad. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was all based upon relationship. So I think sometimes we don't focus on the power of relationships and recognizing that most of our opportunities come from relationships. That's right. You know, whether it be in sports or in business, you look at, well, this coach got this job. How do you get that job? He's been friends with the head coach for the last 20 years. That's how he got the job. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, You didn't get the job because of what you did in the interview. It's the life that you lived for 20 years that I've had that relationship. And I think in business for us, us being in real estate, right? I mean, I'm in going into year five, and I'm now just translating those relationships yes. from year one yeah. into actual revenue in year five. And you never know when that relationship is going to turn into something. You never know when someone that is completely unrelated, like someone that we would never work with, but they referred somebody to you that turned into a, I mean, right. I think of one of our clients specifically and how we got introduced. You necessarily wouldn't have done anything with him on the real estate side, but he made an introduction to one of our largest clients this last year. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's because of the investment and it took a long time in your relationship to build the trust that led to, you know, an opportunity or a new job in finance or or whatever it may be. But I think we're so like, well, what are you going to do for me now? And if you're not going to do something for me now, then I'm not going to invest any time into it as opposed to that mind shift. And it's okay. Look, it doesn't matter who you are. Right. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years younger than me. It doesn't matter if you're 40 years older than me. I'm going to I'm going to be great to everybody and be f- conscious of that relationship because who knows where that next layer leads to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz you know like in football, we always have that eye in the sky mentality, mm-hmm. right? Because the eye in the sky is always watching you. And, and and Ben, you know this from being on the practice field. If you're at a college practice or an NFL practice, that camera is on you all the time, right? And I and I sort of kind of look at life the same way. Is that you don't know half the time you don't know the camera's on. Yeah. You don't know that there's someone that's out there that's looking at you and how you react to certain situations. And they may say five years down the line, "Hey, I remember this kid." Mm. 
and how he handled this situation. I'm going to go back to him. Or yeah. we might cross paths and he says, I just got an opportunity for you. Those are the little things that, that you know, especially kids today, I, I, that's some of the things, like you today, having you on today, I want you to speak to that 25-year-old. Darren, let's, let's go back to the 18-year-old. How many times in the last five years have we seen the story of the player who tweeted the derogatory yes. racist-ass comment yeah. in high school? Yeah. And you say to yourself, oh, now you want to take it back, but the reality is you're the one who put that out into the world. Right. So something was going on in the manner in which you were raised in your home. So what I would really like to do is have you take ownership and say, you know what, there are some lessons that I want to change that I was taught. I want to learn from this. Yes, I did tweet that. I own that. I will not raise my kids that way. There were things I had in my house that I wish I didn't. And that's the problem with the world is nobody wants to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that eye in the sky with social media today, you got these, why didn't I get the job? Well, shoot, I looked at your Facebook from five years ago and what was going on at that party. You ain't working for me. Right. Right. (laughs) And so, and those are the things people don't realize the person you are is the person that you are. So you can build this great reputation. But the moment I go back and see for six straight years, you and your buddies in high school are racist and all get out. That's still in you. You did that. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes, people can change, but that Twitter didn't delete that. So people right. went and found, found what they found on Twitter. Yeah, that's so exactly right. I, I think it's very true that, you know, people, you have to choose to live a life that is a life where five years from now, 10 years from now, you would be proud of your kids going, oh, that's how my dad lived. Oh, right. that's how my mom lived. And if you're currently in a situation, because to me, this is the only way it changes. You got to raise your hand and say, man, you saying that is not acceptable. So you be in that high school athlete who's listening to this right now, or that college athlete, and you hear one of your teammates say something that's unacceptable. Nothing changes in this country until we rise up and say, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That's not acceptable for you to speak that way. That's right. Why are you speaking that way? And so to me, I, th- I think those eyes are in the sky, and people have to be aware of that if they want to have good jobs later on, because that stuff doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, and I love that you said that, and I want to marinate there just for a second, is the change comes from our youth, right? That's where the change ultimately comes. But in our older generation is we have to take accountability in that, and we have to set the example for what it's supposed to look like. We can change. Some of us may have been raised a certain way, whether it's disrespecting women, whether it's being having a racist bias, whether it's whatever it may be, right? Money hungry, greedy, whatever it is. But we have to set the example, and we also have to pour into the youth Mm. because if they're not being poured into, they're just going to figure it out, and they're going to follow what social media tells them. They're going to see you know, the influencers and what they say, and that's not always the best example. So the accountability comes on our generation, you know, 30 to 60-year-olds. Like, we need to pour into the youth because that's where true change comes from. That's where it comes from. That's what Mm -hmm. we do with men's advocacy group on the human trafficking side is we go talk to, we don't talk to adults. We don't speak at companies. Like there are, there are habits formed. Mm -hmm. We go in and we talk to junior hires and high school, high schoolers on what it, what it means to respect women. Because if you respect women at an early age, then it leads to, you know, not transitioning to buying sex or it doesn't lead to, you know, uh, sexual abuse, or it doesn't lead to all those things, right? Because the change comes from our younger generation because they they have literally the world in their hands right now. Right. And we need to do as an older generation, be a positive light for them in this world. Sorry, and I wanted, sorry, that was a, oh, that was a rant there, but I love that you said but, that. 
but I, I, I love this dialogue because this is how change happens, right? right? Change change happens when people have a willingness to speak up and say, mm-hmm. gosh, I think I can make a difference right here and right now. Mm-hmm. Not I'm, I'm going to sit back and not say anything. Right. Yeah, so right. this is this is clearly a conversation you're having with those players and those young guys. Whenever they come back at you and say, "Man, that's it's uncomfortable to speak up like that. It's it's hard. I don't want to. I don't want to be seen as an outsider if I said something." How do you approach that with the young guys and overcoming that fear of, of speaking up? Well, I'll share with you at one of the universities, uh, and I'm sharing my beliefs. Right, everybody mm-hmm. has has their beliefs. One of the universities that I work with, I was the one, and you know, I'm considered a performance coach when I go in and. I was the one on the coaching staff that raised his hand and said, I got this. I'm going to work with the athletic department. I'm going to work with the administration and I'm going to rise up with my voice, right? Mm -hmm. Because my voice, when you look the way that I do and was raised the way that I was raised, right? It's it's my time. It's it's my voice to go to work, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's enough that's going on in this country where I wanted to stand up for those kids and say, anything you want me to say, any conversations you want me to have, it's the guys who were born the way that I was born, right? Mm -hmm. Even though, even though, yeah, I had to work and I had to do all these things, it's you knowing through example, I will not be a quiet voice. And I will rise up for all of you because you've been fighting long enough. And I think it's in those settings that even though I said, okay, that was my opinion in this time, I got you. I got mm-hmm. your back. We're going to fight differently on that football field now, right? Because you know I got your back. I know you got my back. But the lesson there is hopefully five years from now, right? because they're all not going to play in the NFL, Five years from now, when you're in a boardroom, you remember, hey, man, I remember when Coach got after it for me. I remember mm-hmm. when Coach stood up for me. Oh, so when I hear this going on over here, I'm going to stand up for this situation. Right. Right. So a lot of times it's the lesson that you teach through your action, yep. right, not the quiet voice. How easy would it be for me? Shoot, Darren, I'm just a performance coach. I'm coming in from St. Louis. I'm getting back on a plate. <laughs> I got that check. Come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. But that's, I mean, that's it. That's that's accountability, and that's taking accountability, whether you caused the problem, part of the problem, or didn't have anything to do with the problem. Taking accountability for our country because the potential of, of our country, and that's, and I'll say this, one, one of the things that, that I have a hard time with is is when we, yes, we have major issues right. that, that need to be overcome, but the opportunity that we have as a country and how we're structured and the freedoms that we have the opportunity to actually enact change is unlike anywhere on the globe. Right. And we're just watching this opportunity slip through our fingers because, like you said, we're not being accountable, stepping up to the plate when the time is ours. Right. Right. Look, I, I want to go down this road because, you know, Ben, of course, I want to talk about how you're wired. Just personally, you know, what is your daily routine as far as how when you get up, how you, you know, challenge or conquer the day. How do you go about your, your work day uh, on, on a Monday morning? So uh, I'm going to answer this by starting saying I do have a few screws loose. So you say it's the wiring. <laughs> I mean, I got some screws that are it's off. This, it's this guy over here. No, you, you and this guy are wired very the same. I saw your YouTube I, video. I, I, also, I also will share with you what I'm about to share might have people immediately kind of shut me down. So I, I want to kind of set this up appropriately. I believe, so in my coaching work, business and in sports, the next level of your success is a math problem. Right. So Hmm. if I want more sales in real estate, I have to evaluate how many times am I supposed to pick up the phone 
to let the world know I'm open for business. So we know for me to have a real estate transaction 10 times per day, it's a text message, an email, a phone call, it's outbound contact. If you're doing three, but your very best is a 10, you're not gonna have as many real estate transactions. You gotta show up and do your 10. It's a math problem. It's the same with our time. For every 30 minutes that you take back, it's an extra day a month. So everybody wants to tell me, man, I've got no time. There's no time. I'm just, I'm too busy. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're watching three hours of Netflix every single night. So just walk with me now. I'm going to let you watch two and a half hours of Netflix. You're still mm. going to get some good Netflix time mm. in, but give me 30 minutes. And with that 30 minutes, if we add it to your evening routine or your morning routine, 30 minutes a day, five days in a week is two and a half hours times four weeks in a month is 10 hours. 10 hours is a work day. So once again, everybody wants to tell you how great they want to be, but their action is full of excuses. Mm. It's non-action, right? Mm. So the next level of your success is a math problem. So I realized that over 10 years ago when I was waking up at 6.30, had to be at the office at 7.30, and the reason why I woke up at 6.30 is because I could hit the snooze button three times, right? Mm. So hit the snooze three times, still make it by 7.30. I didn't have time to work out the way that I do right now. I didn't have time to go through a morning routine. I didn't have time to, to have affirmations or to put my head in the Bible and do the things that I do now. So I started taking back 30-minute increments of time. Fast forward to today. I now wake up at 2.24 every single day. You and beat me. I wake up. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. When you put the math on this, okay, I work an 18-month year when everybody else is making excuses. Mm. And by the time we do the math on their excuses, they might show up like six months. Mm. So Mm. I'm working 18 months, you're working six months. So you have no chance of ever catching my ass. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I recognize for me to be able to perform at my highest level, I have to frame and understand my days and I have to make sacrifice to be able to do the things that are important to me. So the reason why I wake up that early is my workouts are now very important to me. I read every single morning. I'm sending messages. I'm framing my day. I'm doing everything that I need to do so that at 6 a.m., as much as I travel, I got two kids, Isaac and Kennedy, as much as I travel, at 6 a.m., when I hear the pitter-patter of those kids' feet, I better be done with my morning routine because it's all about my kids. Mm -hmm. So from 6 until 8.15, when I drop them off at school, I'm making breakfast, helping getting them ready, getting them dressed. I'm not working out and doing my routine because I'm away so much. So I get up that early because that's my sacrifice. I'm going to take care of me so that then my kids are going to say, when daddy was home, daddy was home. home yeah. yeah. And so that wow. that's the reason why yeah. I do it. But there's a whole morning routine that I do that, you know, it's the Bible, it's the reading, it's the giving of myself, it's the social media It kind of frames my day so that, like, when I'm on this interview with you guys, I'm not worried about calls I was supposed to make. Shoot, I took care of that this morning. Hmm. Right? I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the workout that I need to get in. And I'm not, I don't want any any lazy people to get mad at me. But we're filming this. It's uh, 120 Central Time. I've already worked out twice today. And I've already had four business calls. And we're on this interview right now. Right? So I'm just choosing to make the most of my opportunity. And I don't say that to say, look at me as the example. I look at it as to say, you were given the exact same amount of time, Mm. but what you choose to do at that time is going to dictate the story that you write. 
Okay, there's there's 45 different questions yeah, in my head right now. I just want to know. I want to know what time. Okay, to wake up at 2:24. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is your sleep? Let's pattern? start there. What what time do you go to bed? Let's start there. <laughs> How about we start here? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> hey, subtly took shots though because he goes, yeah, all the lazy people, and I'm like, wait, I don't. Dang. <laughs> I haven't worked out at all, let alone twice. <laughs> That's me. So, hey, I just, I, I, I say that to just hammer, hammer home the points. No, I love it. But, I love you know, it. But I also, here, here's what I recognize. We all, each and every, there's something that's important to you and there's somebody that's watching you. Right. And I believe that we have to be an example for the people that we're leading. Right? So for me, one of the things I think about is if I'm on this interview with all of you, imagine Right. If, if, if Darren says, Ben, what was your morning routine like today? Oh, man, Darren, it was great. Slept in, skipped my first two meetings, <laughs> made the hottest stack of pancakes you ever had, smothered that sucker in maple syrup, made a couple of phone calls because I had to, missed taking my kids to school. Yeah. But, hey, I'm locked in for this interview. You'd be like, and this dude helps people with what? <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, it's just I've had to set up an environment in my life where if I walk into that team room at Alabama, they say, this guy, I can have a, a conversation about accountability with Ben. Because you know what? Ben's had a mom who died before his eyes. Dad's mm. had, Ben's had to deal with things with his father. Ben, Ben's had to go through life circumstance. That's why he works his ass off. So then they're going to tell me their story. And we're going to identify why they, we have to be an example because yeah. somebody's watching your behavior. So that, that's why the craziness comes out because I just want to be the best example I can be to whether I'm with a construction company, mm. I'm with your listeners right now, or I'm with a sports team. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah one of my, the, one of the phrases that hurts my ears and my head the most is I don't have time. Mm. And that, I say that to him that, all the time. That that's phrase why. burns me up yeah. because you're exactly right. Maybe you don't have to wake up at two twenty four. Maybe it's four thirty, like like yours truly here, but not not to having, his own horn or anything. Yeah, but yeah. Toot, not toot, toot well, toot, toot. clearly I'm not that. Clearly oh, I'm not that oh. good. He's he's up two hours before me. But the point is, you found what works for you. You're not you're not immediately behind the eight ball as you start the day. You're controlling your day, and the way that you're doing that is you're choosing to wake up a lot earlier than than most people are willing to wake up. But at least and, you and dictate I, it. I do want to. Rec I mean, people should not be waking up at two twenty-four. Let's make that clear. I told you I had screws loose. <laughs> mm. yeah, no doubt. But the point is, you've set up a, a, a routine for yourself yeah. and a structure yeah. that immediately puts you on offense to start every single day. You're not waking up late. You're not snoozing three different times. You're controlling the start of your day. And I bet you those workouts and and you know reading the Bible. I bet you that sets you up all. Now, you may be tired in the afternoon, but it, it catapults you throughout the day to get the things accomplished that you're looking for. So let, let me share a takeaway with something I mentioned earlier, but we can hit it for everybody. So for everybody, if you feel like you're one of those individuals, oh, I'm running out of time, start by waking up 15 minutes earlier. Don't start with an hour, two hours, mm. some habit that you'll do it for three days and you'll go back. Start at five minutes. Start at 10 minutes. Start at 15 minutes. Do it for a week then go to 20 minutes, then 25, then 30. Build into your behaviors. But here's what I'd encourage you to do. Start waking up just a little bit earlier, just a little bit earlier. Yeah. And then what I would love for you to do is do something with that time that controls this. Mm. And one of the ways you can do that is to connect to what I call that burn, right? So for me, the first thing I do, so imagine for all of you listening, 
The first thing you do, you start waking up earlier and you start your day by intentionally thinking about the reason why you want to be your best today. So whatever, I want to be an example for my kids. I want to be the best teammate that I can be. Whatever your burn is, that's the first thing that you think about. And for the highest performers, the ones who connect to that burn inside of them, it's pretty hard to go back to bed when I tell myself Janet Fishman Newman legacy and I know what I'm mm-hmm. fighting for. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'm doing is going back to bed. Right. Man, that's awesome, man. Do you write anything? Do you write like your daily activities out? Uh, you know, Andy Frisella is a good friend of yours, and we've, t- yeah. I've, re- I reference this probably every episode, but the power list, he calls it. Do you do something like that? Do you write things down that you want to accomplish in the day? So when Andy and I met about seven years ago, it's one of the things that that kind of connected the two of us. Is I've been sharing a concept called Your Prize Fighter Day. Uh, since 2008 in my coaching work, and it was actually highlighted. Uh, they talked about Mac Jones Prize Fighter Day on ESPN in the Arkansas mm-hmm. game, and they actually put up a visual of it. And so it's something that I share with all the players, with the teams that I work with, and the guys in the NFL, as well as corporations. That's my version of a power list because I believe there's a lot of guys that do the work that I do. They say balance doesn't exist. Work really, really hard and take time off. And I think that's a cop-out for the people who don't have balance, right? Come join my party of telling people there's no balance and just go take a good vacation. Mm. Whereas I believe if we're intentional with our decisions and choices, you can have all the balance in the world that you want. Mm. You may have to wake up earlier, but if people say, do I have a relationship with my kids? You're darn right I do. I make them breakfast every single morning. I take them to school. I may travel, but that's the sacrifice I make. I have balance in my life. And I'm home at 5.30 every day to to be there with the kids that mom helps with the homework. They don't want me helping them with the homework. I was the mouth, not the brain. And uh, so, you know, I'm there for, I'm there for dinner in the evening. I'm there to do those things because I'm away so much. Right. So you have to be intentional to choose what you want rather than making excuses about what you can't have. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you've, you've, you've set out goals. Okay. What do I want my life to look like? What goals do I have? What do I, what example do I want to live? And then this is how I structure my day around it. Not excuses. It's okay. I'm going, I love that you said you've got to sacrifice something. You've got to either go to bed earlier or you got to get up earlier or both, but I'm going to create my day. And, and, and like Ben said, not everyone has to wake up at 224 to get everything done. Like that's not, that's not a, a fixed number of hours that you have to put in a day, Correct. but it's whatever aligns with the goals that you're trying to, you're trying to accomplish. But we all are this way and, and, I've, and I'm guilty of this. And to be honest with you, I, I've not been great about this really since retirement, but is don't bitch about it. If you're not willing to put in the work, like I've always been about hard work and I've always, that was like my mantra is like, Hey, the only reason I was able to have access to the NFL was because of the work that I put in. But since then it's been, it's been a different story for me, but I'll say this though, is don't bitch about it. If you're not willing to put in the work, because you do have every opportunity, guess what? There are 24 hours in the day and how you utilize all 24 hours, whether it's resting or preparing or working or whatever it is that the results are what the results are and you're in control of it. And that's back to the mindset is what mindset are you willing to, to take on in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish? But nothing, nothing drives me crazier than people that complain about what they don't have if they're not willing to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's what I want to lead into, Ben. I know we, we we're running short on time here, but I want to yeah. lead into your message. You're 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 speaking all over the place, whether it be corporations, uh, colleges, the, the professional teams. What is your message that you want to leave 
you know, the, those that are listening to? Yeah. So there's some, there's some key points that are relatively consistent, whether it's a sports team or an organization today, it's connecting to that burn, right? Mm -hmm. What's that internal burn that drives you? Cause Darren, you may hear my story and go, man, he's been through a lot, but my mother's story is only going to motivate you for so long. Absolutely. It's going to be your burn and your story that's going to drive you to take the action to be the best that you can be, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then it's a conversation about those daily disciplines, right? It's about being honest with ourselves. And I always ask audiences, and I say, look, I don't want anybody raising their hands, nodding their heads, but I said, what's the single most important daily discipline for you to know that you can win the day? I said, I want you to think about it. And then you ask yourself over the last 30 days, how would you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 on what you just said is the single most important daily discipline for you to win. And most people, if you're a four or a five, Tyler, that's it right there. Mm -hmm. You're not putting in the action. So I don't call anybody out, but I respectfully have a one-on-one -on -one coaching conversation, whether there's 10,000 people in the audience or an audience mm -hmm. of 10, they're going to feel like it's one-on-one. -on -one, mm -hmm. And I want you to experience, where are you? Right. Because we can't act like we're riding around on unicorns and sliding down rainbows. Being successful and being your best is not easy. And then we're going to have a conversation about the unrequired. The unrequired are the things that other people can't see, they won't do, they won't talk about, that we as high performers choose to make a priority. So if I say, Darren, you want to close more real estate deals, or Tyler, Ben, Darren, you guys as a team, you want to close more. And each of you knows for this team to be their best, it's got to be 10 points of contact each every single day. The unrequired would be, I'm doing 11. Mm. My unrequired is that extra one. It's an extra 10%. What most people fail to recognize is they don't mentally set themselves up for what success really takes. Mm. If I say my goal is 10, I did eight today, we're good. But if I say I'm going to do the unrequired, you can't do the unrequired until you've done what's required. <laughs> so in yeah. order to get to the unrequired, I have to do my 10, and then all I have to do is one more to hit the unrequired. Yeah. But now if you work 200 days and do an extra 200 points of contact, that's two, three, four extra real estate deals. That's the difference to make you guys the playmakers in yes. Dallas when uh, it comes to real estate. Yes. And uh. so that, that's where the next level of your success is a math problem. Yeah. And then the final piece is typically – this rolling off the tongue is very easy, but you and I all know there's fears, there's doubts, there's uncertainties that hold us back from being the best that we can be. And sometimes those fears and doubts are really, really small, and sometimes they're really significant, that so big they couldn't even fit into, into Jerry's dome in Arlington, <laughs> which, 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 by the way, I look forward to seeing you guys. I, I also work for Kansas State, so we'll be down there for the opener against Stanford this year. So we all got to get to go. Yes, oh, absolutely. absolutely. We'll be back we would love to be back in the studio. Uh, hey, hey we, we, we will make it happen. So I, I look forward to seeing you guys in, in person. But there's something for all of us that's holding us back. You got to just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. You got to let it go. And you got to recognize, I, I hope everybody realizes, I'm far from figuring this out. I've got two coaches. Last year, I read 35 books. Uh, Darren and I are going to do an interview for my show. I can't wait to learn from him as soon as, as, as we start that episode. So I'm constantly trying to learn every single day. Tyler, Ben, like if we spent more time together, I'd learn so much from you guys. Put the people in your corner that are going to allow you to silence those fears and doubts. Let it go and just go attack one day at a time. And those who attack the process one day at a time, those who focus on winning one day at a time, standard over feeling, 
Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to attack today. You'll write one hell of a story. Gosh, I love, I love that. that. All right. where, where can we uh, where can yeah. we find out more about you? Um, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, that's a guy I want to learn more from. Where yeah. can we find more about? You mentioned about the you? podcast. Talk us through your podcast. Did we lose? Did we, you? did we lose you again? No, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Uh, so the, the podcast is the Burn. So it's available on Apple and Spotify as well as there's the the YouTube version as well. But Instagram is at Continued Fight. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about that Instagram at continued fight, that's me. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're getting me. So I'm the one who's actually doing that content every morning. You'll see from the time that that post goes out, one of our uh, members of our marketing team, he's like, Hey, let me start doing that for you. And I'll do it later at like an opportune time. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the way people know. Like I'm giving up myself to you. Yeah. I want to do it. Right. And so videos and stuff, sometimes people help with, but the morning you're getting me. So I would love for everybody to come on at continued fight on Instagram. Cause that's one of my ways that I give up myself in the morning is what's up here that might help each and every single one of you. Yeah. That's and a then great follow by the yeah. way. Oh, so absolutely. I would highly, highly recommend and, it. And then your website as well. What's your website? It's a Ben Newman.net. Got it. So, Newman. And so you can book. And so, and I want to also speak to maybe like some executives out there that, that are, 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 connecting with this message and want to bring Ben in. So you can book speaking your speaking events through the website as well. Correct. It's actually info at Ben Newman.net. We'll get everything to our team who manages all of that. And then, uh, yes, a a member of our team will, will reach out. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, everything started corporately. So I didn't do anything in sports until 2011. (laughs) Yeah. And so for me, I mean, I, I work with billion-dollar construction companies to solar companies. I mean, you name it, financial advising, you know, companies. So it's it's a it's a wide wide range. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, if you're a business awesome. owner, you gotta you gotta look Ben up. That's yeah, awesome. It's amazing. All right, last question. This is the banger that we ask every single guest. Yep. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't mean you go back and change it necessarily. But if you could just go back and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? So I, I would probably take myself back to, um, it's going to make me emotional. I didn't see my mom for the last week before she died. And it's almost something I wish I had the voice to say it. Um, the family members decided because of the state that my mother was in in the hospital that it was nothing for a seven-year-old boy to see. And I wish I would have known and I wish I would have had a voice at that period of time to raise my hand and say, this is my mom. I'm never going to get to see her again. I don't care what it is. You go take me. And um, I didn't have a chance to voice that. And, um, you know, it's not that I can change. And maybe I was protected for the right reasons. Maybe it was things that I shouldn't have been able to see. But if I could go back to any moment in time, it would have been able to see my mom just mm. one more time in that last week that she was alive. Man, that's man. awesome. Brother, I know that's man. probably not. I know that's probably no, not that, that's, most people give, but brother, that's from the heart. And yeah, you're right and, on it. You are right on it, man. And, and Ben, we appreciate you, yeah, man, for sharing yeah. yourself, man. Really do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to, yeah, again, thank you. Um, and we just got to connect for the first time, uh, but already I think the impact that you've had on us hopefully our listeners, but thank you for, for taking your mom's story, taking her strength and sharing it with the world, because that's what we need. We need more of that, more inspiration, uh, and more leadership. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you guys so much. And uh, let's end on a high note. Cause that yeah. was so emotional. <laughs> are you guys going to be at the Super Bowl? 
Uh, no, are you going? Darren's the only one get, that gets the invite no. anymore. So <laughs> I'm staying back. I'm staying back. This this will be my first time. Actually, last year I didn't make it. Last year, so the first two okay. years, last two years, I haven't made it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've worked with uh, Levante David for the last. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, you had him on the podcast. He's lights oh, out. Yeah. Levante is a. Spe- I mean, you talk. That's another one that you should get on. I mean, yeah. you talk about a kid who does things for the right reasons and has worked with Boys and Girls Club. And yeah, I I, I would not miss it for the world. He's a, he's a special kid. He means the world to me. And uh, I can't wait for them to you know strap that thing that's on right. for sixty oh, minutes. Yeah. What a special yeah. ride it's been for Tampa this yeah, year. Yeah, it's been bad. it's been really fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Playing at home too. You know what? We're going to utilize you on that one. We're going to make that. You're going to bridge that gap for us, man, because we'd love to get Levante on yeah. at some point. Well, whatever you guys need, you let me know, and right. uh, you know th- this is team, and uh, we'll get you Mac and Levante, and and just we'll get this thing rolling. That's well, it. I appreciate you, but Thanks again, so much, yeah, man. we want to connect in person. So whether you're in Dallas or we come up to St. Louis, man, we would love to reconnect. So thank you for everything, and thanks for taking some time with us today. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, bro.